Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. It's amazing how God has healed my eyesight. I mean, I, I could, for about a month, I couldn't hardly see the words on the page. So I started wearing glasses. And in prayer one day, the Lord says, oh, is that what you're going to do? And I said, what do you mean by that? And he says, is that what you're just going to get up and, you know, now don't, don't get in the ditch over it. That's God dealing with me. And I said, well, Lord, you must be dealing with me about healing. He said, yep. So I just begin to speak over my eyes. And now I'm, it's like I got a brand new Bible. Every word as clear as can be. Verse 11, Jeremiah chapter 29 says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Now that right there is an area in which many people stay alienated from God because they think the thoughts God thinks toward them are bad. Now you think about that for a little bit. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, people are always thinking, well, if God's thinking anything about me, He's not thinking good things because, you know, I'm so, I'm so wretched and I'm, you know, you, you go out into the community and talk to people who, you know, they don't come to church, they don't serve the Lord. And you say, hey, man, what do you think God's thinking about you right now? They probably say, well, he's probably thinking about some way he can squish me or kill me or do something really bad to me because I'm just not a very good person. That's not true. I said, that's not true. For everybody on the planet, all of the whosoevers that live on planet Earth, God is thinking good thoughts about them. Thoughts of redemption, thoughts of cleansing, thoughts of blessing, doing everything he can do to think them into the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. So, when you see that scripture here in Jeremiah, for I know the thought, you ought to think, oh wow, God's thinking good things about me. Good thoughts about me. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Now notice what he says. Thoughts of peace. Well, that's a good thing and not of evil. To give you an expected, an expected end. Uh, uh, then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me. And I will hearken unto you and you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Everybody say, all your heart. Now, go to, I don't know if I even marked it. I hope I did. Go to Joshua. Go to, I think it's Joshua 22. Let me. I think that's where it's at. If it's not, I'll find it. Joshua 22. Yeah, here it is. Joshua 22, verse 5. It says, but take diligent heed to do the commandment and the law. Now, notice this, the commandment and the law. We could actually say it like this, the commandment and the word. You say, well, isn't the word and the commandment the same thing? Now, here's something you have to understand. The commandment was the original commandment that was given to Moses by God to go in and possess the land that flows with milk and honey. So God's instruction to you, to your heart, you say, what do you mean by that? What he is specifically instructing you to do. You can view that as a command from God. But it also needs to be connected to the other side of the and, and that is the law or the word. Amen? So there's that which God speaks to you personally to do. And then there's that which the word dictates for you to do. You know, we talk about the generic will of God for all of our lives. To pray, to give, to 
uh, to, to read the Word, to come to church, to find our callings and destiny. And in doing that, God will give you specific things. You know, you need to do this, or you need to do that, or you need to do this. I was very surprised how quickly God began to deal with me over very specific things in my life when I got back to the Lord coming up on 35 years ago. I mean, I, I, I would have thought it would have taken years to get to the place to hear something from God in your spirit that is relevant to God giving you a command to do something. But I'm telling you, it don't take long. I mean, just in a couple of days. I mean, I, I literally, it was on a Wednesday night. I got right with God. And I knew that on a, a Sunday, uh, my parents would be going to church. So I, I got dressed and went to church with them. I, knew, I just knew to do that. I just knew to do that. I, I can't explain it. I just knew to do that. And then I got uh, refilled with the Holy Ghost and, and began that Monday. I started fasting and praying and, and believing God to, to, to speak to me about what I needed to do, what I wanted to do. And so I remember looking. I bought an American Horseman magazine. And I was looking for a bull riding school to go to. I knew there were a couple of guys, Gary Lafleur, who was a world champion back in the, in the late 70s and early 80s. And when I was looking through it, I found Jim Shoulders, who was probably, he had 16 world titles, so I kind of figured him a, a little more knowledgeable than, than most. And I saw it was up in Henrietta, Oklahoma, and I figured I could drive up there. So just on my own, I decided to do that. God didn't tell me to do that. I just figured, you know, I don't want to be a preacher. I'll serve God, so I'll just go, into the, go back into the rodeo life and the rodeo, go get on the rodeo circuit. But I remember going up there, praying, taking my Bible with me, checking into the hotel room in Henrietta, Oklahoma. Before I left, my mother had shown me in a Word of Faith magazine a prayer conference that was going on in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, which is a one-hour drive from Henrietta. One hour. And our school ended at about 3.30 or 4 every afternoon. And by 5 o'clock, I was showered, ready to go. And by 6 o'clock, I could be in Broken Arrow. So I would drive to Broken Arrow, and I would go visit our, our former pastors. Uh, uh, Dad Goodwin had gone on to be with the Lord. I'd go visit Mom Goodwin. But I just knew driving up there praying, I needed to be in those night prayer meetings. <laughs> Brother Hagen teaching. I didn't even know what to expect. I hadn't seen Brother Hagen in, in, in 12 or 13 years. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to, I remember walking onto Rayma campus and going, man, this is incredible. Walking into the, to the auditorium, there's 3,000 people sitting in a, in a, in look like a big classroom sitting in there. And there was Brother Hagen up there teaching on prayer. And I just knew it. I just, I just, how do you say, how do you know? Well, sometimes God puts a command in, the, in you that you just know. And see, see, we're studying the will of God. So you have to understand there are things that God puts in you. And here's the problem. When you override them over and over and over and over again, you get callous to them. And, and, and the voice of the Lord becomes, becomes weaker and weaker and weaker in your spirit. Now, I learned this over the period of about three or four years. And I can say this. This will get you in trouble. This will get you in trouble. You say, what do you mean by that? Well... If I even have an, any inkling at all that something is of God, I'm going to act on it. Trusting that if it's not of God, God knows my heart and my desire to obey Him. And if it causes any harm to me, He'll get me out of it. And I've proved that over the past three decades to work. 
You say, what do you mean? Well, there's been times I thought God was telling me to do something. It wasn't God. I mean, it just wasn't. You say, why well, wasn't? Well, I don't know. I don't know everything. I guess people think, you know, we know so little as human beings dealing with the spirit realm. I'm always amazed at people that think they know something. I remember hearing Brother Hagin say something before he went to be with the Lord. He said, you know, people think that you study the Word of God, you spend 60 years in ministry, that you, that you pray and intercede and you operate in the gifts of the Spirit and all these different things, seen all these great phenomena, had Jesus appear to you, think you know something. He says, you don't know anything. He said, after 60 years of ministry, I found this one thing out. I know less now than I ever thought I ever knew. He says, because the more you find out in the Word of God, the less you see you ever knew in the first place. So about the time you think you know something, amen, God will do something in your life and you just you think, well, I thought I knew something. Now I really don't really know that much. Amen. And that's the way to stay humble when it comes to the things of God. I was listening to a guy on the uh, uh, radio the other day and, and, and man, he was talking about how there's, there's no uh, uh, supernatural. that we, uh, 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 His doctrine is trans-dispensationalism and he was talking about how, now he took everybody over to Exodus and said, now look in Exodus here, you have these miracles and signs and wonders and, and ten great miracles that took place and, and Israel was delivered and that was just the dispensation for their miracles. And it was over. And I thought, why don't you read the Bible? I mean, as soon as they, as soon as they got delivered by those ten miracles, they, they, got, they got backed up against the Red Sea and needed another miracle. Amen. Now, once they got across the Red Sea, they didn't have no water and got another miracle. Didn't have no food and got another miracle. Didn't have no direction, got another miracle. Didn't have no heat, got another miracle. Didn't have no cool, got... And they lived in those miracles for 40 years. And then I thought to myself, what about Elijah? What about Elisha? What about David? What about all these other people? Uh, what do you mean transdispensationalism? He was talking about how when the last apostle died, there's no more power left upon the earth. I thought, well, that's crazy. The whole Bible, every book of the Bible, there's the power of God. That's why I got away from years ago with saying, I read the back of the book and we win. I don't like that. It got real quiet. I heard some, I heard some sacred cows mooing. Amen. We don't, we don't win when we get to the back of the book. We win in every book of the Bible. Why in the world we got to wait to get to the end to win? We win in every book of the Bible. We're more than conquerors. Greater is... See, see, a lot of people just buy into that stuff because it sounds spiritual. Amen. So, let me get the rest of my school. I got the three words of it, I think. But take diligent heed to do the commandments and the word or the law, which Moses, the servant of God... A servant of the Lord charged you to love the Lord God, to walk in all of His ways, to keep His commandments, to cleave unto Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and all your soul. Everybody say, all your heart. All your heart. And then that's going to also include all of your mind, all of your emotions, and all of your willpower. So that's where we've been kind of digging around is in the will of God and the human will and our willpower. We've been looking at, you know, submission and humility versus pride and rebellion and all these different things. And, you know, even meditating on some things today, meditate, meditating on some things during the week, thinking about some things, I begin to see in my own heart and my spirit some things I might not be communicating too well. First of all, on the subject of submission, we know the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, submit yourself therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
Only through submission to God can you ever find the will of God. You're not going to find the will of God outside of, uh, outside of submission to God. Amen. Now we submit to God, number one, by submitting to His Word. Number two, by submitting to His Spirit. And number three, by submitting to spiritual authority or those that are put over you in the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, a lot of people, when they hear the term submission in a church setting, in a meeting like this, they think, well, submission's easy for me. How many think that? Don't raise your hand. Now, now I be, so I begin to go back and think about where submission was easy for me. Where it was easy. You know what I found? Nothing. I didn't find anywhere where submission was easy for me. You say, what do you mean by that? I think we get confused with agreement. Thinking that our agreement is submission. Is anybody too hot? Anybody too cool? So we're all in agreement. That takes no submission. <laughs> Amen. I mean, we're all in agreement, and yeah, well, you know, it might be, it could be, maybe it could be a little cooler, maybe it could be a little hotter, but for the most part, we're all pretty comfortable, huh? I mean, nobody's really sweating profusely, and I don't see any teeth chattering, so. <laughs> Would you be in agreement that the, 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 the temperature's livable, comfortable? Amen? That takes no submission. None whatsoever. But the areas of your life, in which God requires submission of you are areas in which He looks into your life and see they have no will to do that. <laughs> Four coughs. I counted them. <laughs> Maybe it was a choke, amen? Amen? Now I remember the first time I really came face to face with submission. I mean really face to face. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, going up there to Brother Hagin's and going to the prayer meetings, I was in agreement with that. Not going into a bull riding career, I was in agreement with that. Going to LBI, Lakewood Bible Institute, I was in agreement with that. I, was, I, was, I didn't really take any submission. Going to school every day, driving 55 miles one way, 110 miles round trip, I was in agreement with that. Being in every church service, I was in agreement with that. Praying every day, I was in agreement. There was no problem with any of that. Then I remember when the Lord spoke to me to leave Lakewood Church and to come down to Lamarck and join a church that met in a funeral home. Now, I butted up against submission. I'm like, no, 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 no. As a matter of fact, my first reaction was this. I bind you, devil. In the name of Jesus... I bind you. You will not steal my vision. You will not steal my place. I sat right behind Pastor John and Dodie. You're not going to steal what I've worked for for a whole year in this church to be a part of it. You're not going to buy and just left it at that. Next, year I got, next morning I got up, studied the word a little bit, went into prayer, and guess what just rose right up in front of my face? Same thing. I want you to leave Lakewood Church. I want you to go down to Lamarck. I want you to join that church that meets in that funeral home. I did it again. I bind you, devil. My soul went into a turmoil. My thoughts, now here's a good, here's a good point. 
my thoughts, my emotions, and my decisions were against that, which I knew the first time God spoke to me it was God. I knew it was God. I was just playing the game, amen? So, as long as I resisted what God was saying to me, was speaking to me, and did not resist but rebelled against that, there was no grace to do it. You say, what do you mean grace to do it? Anything God demands you submit to, you've got to have grace to do it. There's got to be grace there. Because if there's not grace there, you just can't do it. Your mind won't let you. Your emotion, you'll have an emotional fit. Your, your, your decision-making process, it's, it's not going to work. You're just going you're just, you're just to shut down spiritually. Amen. And when you shut down spiritually, no grace flows into that. And that's what was happening to me. The next day, I found it harder to pray. I found it very distracting to try to study the Word of God. I mean, this went on for like two weeks. And I, and I noticed my, myself beginning to slide backwards. You say, what do you mean slide backwards? All the other graces that had come into play in my life were beginning to lose their strength. Amen? You say, what? I mean, all of, my, all of the grace to, to study the Word, the grace to intercede, the grace to be in church service, the grace, the grace that God puts on it. That's why a lot of people never really plumb the depths of the true grace God has for you, which is His ability working on your behalf to help you do what He's calling you to do and walk in His will. Amen? Amen? And I remember the day I did it. I remember the day I just said this. Okay, God. Okay, Lord, I'll do what you tell me to do. Didn't feel like it. Didn't feel like it. I was obedient, but there was no willingness there. The Bible says if you're willing and obedient, sometimes you just got to start out willing. I mean, excuse me, you just got to start out obedient. I was obedient, but not willing. There we go, I got it backwards. So I was not willing, I was obedient. Or I was obedient, now I get it figured out a little while. One or the other. I was obedient but not willing. So I just went. But when I went, you know what happened? All that two weeks of turmoil was erased and peace came. One decision of submission can bring peace to your life. Amen? And then from then on, the, the, the rest of the time, my experience uh, up in Lamarck, 15 years, was a literally 15 years of learning submission of learning how to submit, how to do things according to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and spiritual authority. Because it's not hard. Listen, we all are like this. Well, if the Word says it, I can submit to that. If the Holy Ghost says I can submit, but it's when you get to that person that's, that's why, who is he to tell me what to do? Why, is, why are we having all these meetings? How come we're having these prayer meetings? How are we doing, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And here's the, here's the one that I, that I really like. Man, if he would just do that this way, or if he would do that that way, and I've said this before, but I don't know if it registers on people. If an individual is walking in the grace of God and doing something a particular way, and you see a way that you think may be better, your better way will not work. You say, why? It does not carry that element of grace. But if you'll do it in submission, then it'll work fine. 
So I had to learn that. Now, after about 1997, the Lord strongly began to deal with me about Island Church. Submission popped up again. And I'm like, there ain't no way. Now, it's easy to make a change in ministry when you don't have any success. But that wasn't our, that wasn't the way we were. We were, man, we were flowing and going. We were, I think it was 98 we bought that building, wasn't it? 98? Was it 97, 98, right in there? I mean, we needed a building. We had been in a storefront for a couple of years. We, we uh, leased uh, a storefront, put our offices in a storefront, and so uh, a building came available, and uh, supernaturally, we got it. I mean, it was supernatural. I'll never forget, we were at the, the uh, uh, real estate uh, ladies, and she said this on a Friday afternoon. She said, it is impossible. You will never close on this building today. And Lee and I both looked at her and said, we'll close on it today. And that afternoon, we were some, uh, 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 what do you call them where you go to uh, do closings at? Where's our real estate agents? We're at a title company over in, over in Texas City. And she was like, this, this is a miracle. I didn't think you could close today. And we, were, we closed and went into our building. And it was a blessing. We loved it. It was, it was a great place. I mean, I, we, were, we were just going. And God says, okay, all this is going to stop, and this is all going to change. And you're going to have to go do something else. And I'm like, number one, I don't want to. I mean, I was, I was flat snake bit from pastoring. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, after being with pastors for 20 years and sitting in their offices and them crying and talking about being pastors, <laughs> I'm like, man, that's the last thing I ever want to do is be a pastor. Lord, have mercy. But see, I didn't understand the grace that was upon them. And the Lord had to deal with me for five years. I think Leah was only involved in about a two-year part of that. But I'm telling you, it was a fight with my emotions, with my... And here's the thing. You would have thought during those two years... Our meetings would have got weaker. Our offerings would have got less. Uh, the doors open would have got a lot fewer. Just the opposite happened. Just the opposite happened. Our offerings blew off the charts. Our partnership increased all over the place. Doors opened all over the world. And I'm thinking, and you're telling me to shut this down? And to go and, and down to Galveston, Texas? Oh, my God. Amen. But the problem with a lot of people is they never get to the point in their life in which submission is that big of a deal. It's really that big of a deal. But God, if you serve God, like we read the last two scriptures, with all of your heart and your soul, with everything that you have, then you will get to a place in your life where you'll have to submit to a drastic decision. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've had to do it over the years. Some of you, that's even why you're here in this church tonight is because there came a time in which you were someplace and having a great life and doing a great thing and God said, it's time for you to go to Galveston. You're like, you know, I like those pictures. What was those pictures we got? Remember we went to someplace here, uh, SeaWorld, sea Searama, whatever it was, up in San Antonio with Breland and they took those pictures of us coming over the, in the log ride or whatever and everybody was like, it's kind of like a free fall. This guy told me one time I was walking with him in a hotel. He was taking me back to a hotel. He said, he said, I had a dream about you. I said, you did? 
He said, yeah, the Lord spoke to me and said, to sit under your ministry as a pastor that I knew I preached in his church quite a lot. He said, the Lord spoke to me and uh, said, sit under his ministry, you'll learn about faith. And I said, well, what was the dream about? He said, I was in an elevator and the door opened and you stepped in. He said, when you stepped in, the bottom fell out and we just started free falling. He said, I started screaming. He said, I looked over at you and you were laughing. He said, when that happened, the Lord spoke to me and said, go sit under his ministry. He'll teach you about faith. <laughs> well, sometimes that's how it feels. Like you're free falling in an elevator, coming over the top of a roller coaster. <laughs> well, at the same time, the, the big roller coaster, there was, there, I guess it was a the school had already started and Breland School hadn't started yet, so there wasn't many people there. And I was standing in this line, and this little family was there with this little boy, and he barely came up to the, to the height to ride the roller coaster. And so it was just he and I on the roller coaster. And so they put us both in the same thing. And I could see he was a little, he was a little, you know, intimidated. And so uh, we started going up and he starts getting a little nervous. And so we, that thing's clicking up to the top. And he looks at me, he said, mister, do you think they'll let me off this thing? I said, yeah, in about 45 seconds, they'll let you off of it. And over we went. Well, sometimes that's how it feels. God, you going to let me off this thing? Maybe this is one of those Isaac things where all I have to do is be willing, you know. No, that was just for Abraham. Amen. So everybody say willing, willing. and obedient, and obedient. Submissive, submissive, and humble. Now, let's go back to where we were last week. And we, uh, we got stuck on money, but after we did, I had some people come to me and said, well, we did that to you. I said, you did. They said, yeah, we were praying about this all day, and you've answered most of our questions. So that's the way it works. That's how you do it. Amen? Now, we were talking about the issues of our heart dealing with the will of God and submission and humility in our lives. And we talked about, you know, the, the, the issue of who I am and, and what I do, uh, what do I do, where do I do it, well, with whom do I do it with. You know, those kind of things are all issues in which you're going to have to submit yourself to the Lord and answer those questions for yourself. Amen? It's not hard to figure out. You know, let me just say this. The struggle, if you find anything hard, now let me just say this. In your prayer life, in, in your Bible study, in, in obeying God, in the will of God, if you find anything hard, don't, don't jump on this blaming everybody around you thing. Well, if these people would just do that, if these people would just do this, if this person would just listen to me, that's not going to work for you. It never works for anybody in the kingdom. You say, well, what do I do? You've got to humble yourself. I said, you're going to have to humble yourself. I found this out. Ego and ambition does not work in the kingdom. And I've seen a lot of people with a lot of, I mean, they, they had a lot of, what would you call it? Uh, the, the Jewish people call it chutzpah. You know, I mean, they just got a, lot of, got a lot of mustard in them, you know. I mean, they can, they just on fire on everything, you know. Let's do this. And they're like, let's do this. I mean, okay. Then they come into the kingdom, and the Holy Ghost just kind of puts the brakes on you, you know, just kind of slows you down to, to, to get you anchored, to get you grow up, do all this kind of stuff. And next thing you know, you know, things don't run at the same pace that you run. And you kind of get frustrated. Well, what you've got to do when that happens you can't look on the ra around the outside. You've got to look on the inside. Because that's where the issue is, is on the inside, not on the outside. Any resistance to anything you desire to do in the kingdom is not an outward thing. It's an inward thing. Amen. 
That's why the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humble, humble yourself comes before exalt you in due time. So we talked about that. We talked about money issues, giving, spending, wisdom, and integrity. Now, here's, where we're, here's an area whew, where you're going to have to really, this is where submission, this is kind of where the rubber hits the road, and this is where you're going to have to really plumb the depths of what is God saying to me in these areas, and that's in relationship areas. You say, why? Man, you talk about a messed up bunch of people in the world. It, you, you talk about relations. Relationships and relations, they are messed up. I mean, all over the world. You don't have to say, well, it's just a, an American thing or it's just a Galveston thing. No, 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 let me tell you. you, you just about every relationship, whether it's intimate or authoritative, there's several different categories of relationships that you have in your life. No matter what it is, we've had 6,000 years to really mess it up real good to the point that people are in some relationships that are so crazy and go so contrary to the word of God that, 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 that when judgment comes, I hope that they find a way out of it. Amen? Now notice, let me just go through them real quick. Husband and wife relationships, children, children relationships, business and educational relationships, spiritual relationships, and then friends. Everybody say friends. Now, first of all, I don't want to get involved in a, in a marriage counseling seminar this evening. My time's about up. But a husband-wife relationship is something, if you found it upon the Word of God and that which God says about marriage, it takes a lot of humility and submission to be married. Correctly. Now, not, not you know, well, we fought 50 years and thank God he's dead. No, no. Right, sweetie? Because <laughs> that's, I mean, you know, kind of like Adam. Lord, it was a woman you gave me. Well, first of all, men, you, ha you have to submit to the Word of God when it comes to marriage in that you must view your wife spiritually, since this is church, we're not going to get into all the aspects of everything else, but we're going to talk about spiritually, as not a weaker but a finer vessel. That's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. She is a finer. Now, that literally means your spiritual texture. I, that's the only word I've ever been able to find to explain this. Your spiritual texture as a husband will cover your wife in such a way that there's a lot that will come and try to hit the marriage, but because you're submitted, you study the Word, you're a man of prayer, you're doing the will of God in your life, it's just going to bounce off. It ain't going to have any effect whatsoever. But if you switch the roles, which is very, uh, you know, people say, well, that's the way the Hispanic people are. That's the way the black people are. That's the way the white people are. That's the way everybody is. Well, Mama does the praying. I do the working and the drinking, you know. Isn't that a country western song? If it's not, it should be. <laughs> Amen? Now you take your fine china and treat it the same way you do your Tupperware. And you see what happens to it. It won't be long. That fine china is going to be worth nothing but for the garbage can. 
because things will chip away and chip away and chip away and chip away and chip away. And let me just say this to men. Men, it is not a sin to be spiritual. You say, what do you mean a sin? As far as society is concerned. Most people, you know, you look at, you look at on, on what Hollywood projects. You know, John Wayne never played a preacher. He didn't. You know, he plays the, 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 the guy charging up, you know, the, the mountain at Iwo Jima. He plays the, the Calvary officer. He play, but, but when he comes to the, to the preachers, they always get some weak, wimpy, sissy. It's the only way I can say it. You know, Father Mulcahy or Wally Cox, I think I saw one. How many of you remember who Wally Cox was? He was a wimp. And they try to project this image that any spirituality in a man is a weakness. And that, you know, when we come to church, you know, the, we, the, ladies, the ladies' prayer meeting, the ladies' missionary group, the ladies' this, the ladies' that. And the problem is a lot of men have bought that, and it's messed up their marriages. It's messed up their marriages. But if you're married in here, men, you need to take the initiative to be the spiritual head of your wife. And in so doing that, you're going to protect her and she in turn will protect you. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? She'll protect you in many ways. She'll keep your mind out of the gutter. She'll keep your eyes off the internet. Okay. <laughs> Amen. You'll have to cancel that subscription to Playboy. That's right. You won't have to hide that bottle out in the garage anymore. You'll learn to live righteous and holy. Amen. Probably made about half the men mad right there. But that's just the way it is. Children. Everybody say children. You must have a relationship with children in order to raise them up in the way they should go. Without a relationship with them, then all you are is an authoritative figure. Amen. And just being an authoritative figure to a child always produces rebellion. Now, my, my daughter doesn't need Another friend. She's got plenty. She needs a dad. Amen. But she doesn't need me to be a 24-7 pastor. And they're knocking on Are you reading your scriptures? You're praying tonight? She's too much like her mother. She wouldn't stand for it. She'd just lock her door. So what I've done is done, I've done my best to be her dad. Amen. And that's the way it is with children. And listen, many times, oh man, let me get off on that. Many times we enter into something which the Bible teaches against called inordinate affections. And many inordinate affections show up in families in what I call role reversals. So, you know, wives, you don't need to be so, you know, well, I, we, got, we got Junior and we got Missy and we got, you know, the husband and I'm raising all three of them. That's, yeah, you can't do that. That ain't going to work. 
Man, he's getting quiet in here. Amen. And the term inordinate affection, the Apostle Paul is the one that talks about it in several different locations in the Word of God. It says to flee from them are role reversals in which a person in your life that's supposed to be uh, 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 at a certain level, uh, a husband, a wife, a child, that that, that that role is reversed in such a way in which that affection is twisted. It's a twisted affection of a of a dad trying to be like a brother or a mom trying to be like a sister or a child trying to be a mom or dad to their mom and dad. I've seen that happen before. You get a bunch of goofiness going on in the family and, and mom and dad not serving God the way they do and the, and the kids coming to youth group and getting full of, full of the Word and full of the Holy Ghost and then she, they got to go home parent their uh, parent their parents. That's an inordinate affection. Amen? You can't do that. Well, we definitely can't get off on spiritual things tonight, so we'll just close it with this. Now, let me help you. In submitting to the Word of God, you say, well, Pastor, I just don't think, I tell you, I just don't think I could just rise up and, you know, be a spiritual man with my wife and me and the old lady been married for so long. And, you know, anyone can change. Somebody said, you can't teach an old dog a new, new tricks. You're not a dog. I said, you're not a dog. You can learn anything you desire to learn. And if you will take and submit to the Word of God as a husband or submit to the Word of God as a wife or submit to the Word of God in raising your children, in that submission with all your heart, the grace of God will flow into your life to empower you to be the husband or to be the wife or to parent those children the way you should. Then when you need grace, grace will always be there. And when you need to tap into a greater dimension of grace by faith, God always gives you revelation from the Word of God and insight through the Spirit. You say, what do you mean by that? you got a tragedy in the house. One of the kids gets sick. Mama gets diagnosed with something. Dad gets laid off the job. And you need an extra amount of grace to flow into the family. Well, you're in the right position. You got dad in the right position. You got mom in the right position. You got the kids in the right position. And they're all submitted to the spiritual authority that God puts into their life. I guarantee you, grace will have no problem. It will not flow like molasses into that situation. It'll come like a flood into that situation. And it'll bring miracles, and it'll bring signs and wonders, and it'll bring gifts of the Spirit, and it'll bring all kinds of good things. Everybody say good things. Good things. things. Hallelujah. Now lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. Now, the Spirit of the Lord said to me in prayer during the week and today, He said to me, now teach this tonight the way I give it to you. And demonstrate or and allow me to confirm it. And I said, well, Woody, how are you going to do that? Isn't it good we serve such a smart God? So there's a couple of things in the Spirit I'm going to just give out. And I'm not going to specifically aim it at anybody. But I want you, if that's you, to hear what the Spirit of God is saying. And you will know if it's targeted to you. You say, how will you know? You'll know it. You'll just know it. Now, the first, it's amazing when God does this. He's probably done this to me three or four times in 35 years of ministry. The first is over a situation in someone's life. 
in which you're struggling with a decision because something has happened. I'm just going to read you the scripture. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. And that's in verse, scratch it down, verse 3. I'm going to read it both in the King James and in the uh, Amplified. It says, if the spirit of the ruler, the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place, for yielding pacifieth great offenses. Now let me read it in the Amplified. It said, if the temper of the ruler rises up against you, do not leave your place or show a resisting spirit. For gentleness and calmness prevent or put a stop to great offenses. Someone in here, I don't know who you are, I'm not going to try to put my finger on you. Either at your job or somewhere, someone that's over you. It may be a student and a teacher. It may be teachers and administrators. It may be someone in your job, something has happened and there's been an incident and what you're just thinking, I'm just going to bail out of here. I don't need, nobody talks to me like that. Nobody talks to me like that. I'm done with that. Forget that. Well, the Lord's given you a word tonight. I said, the Lord's given you a word tonight. If the spirit of the ruler rises up against you, don't leave your place. Stay where you're at. Well, they're wrong. Listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to what God's saying to you. They're wrong. They're wrong. Okay, they're wrong. So adopt a spirit of gentleness and meekness, and you won't enter into a great offense Leave that job, quit that school, whatever it may be. Walk away from whatever it is. And then you got a story the rest of your life of how you were done wrong. Oh boy. That's going to really help you out. Amen. So if that's you, you just receive that. You know if it's you. The second one is this. And I'm just going to give it to you like the Holy Ghost gave it to me. And I don't know what it's for, but it's for someone here. That God has something better for you. Someone or some someone's in here have been putting a lot of faith and effort into receiving something. I don't know what it may be. It could be a, something material. It could be something spiritual. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, Take just a moment to consider this word from the Lord. He's got something better for you. He's got something better for you. I know there are times we don't like to hear that when we've got, I mean, he's, we've got, I remember Lee and I one time, when God spoke to me and said, I'm going to give your wife a home for her faithfulness to support you as you began to develop this ministry. I'm going to reward her with a, the type of home she loves, the old Galveston historical homes. I'm going to reward her with a home. And she found one she loved. I mean, she really loved it. And I looked at it, and it was awesome. And I remember walking out and the Spirit of God saying to me, I got something better. And I remember telling her that. And I had to get on an airplane the next day and fly to Europe. I was gone for almost three weeks. And sure enough, after everything was over, God had something better. God had something better. Sometimes we set our hearts on things and we just, you know, we just fix it. And we say, that, that's it. That's the only way we're going to be happy. That's the only way. But God knows the future. 
And he knows that he has something better for you. And if you'll just receive that tonight and say, okay, Lord, we'll consider that or I'll consider that, then grace will flow to that area. And in a few short months, you'll find out what's better than what you thought you had to have. Amen? Does that help you tonight? Lift your hands one more time and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. Now, Lord, we don't take it lightly that the Spirit of God moves in such ways. But, Lord, we receive it. And we thank you, Father, for what you show us by the Holy Ghost and how you minister so gently and kindly to us. We never take that for granted. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy toward us in all areas. When it comes to our protection, Heavenly Father, we thank you no evil befalls us, no plague comes in our dwelling place. Lord, as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, as we work, handle the righteous provision you've given us, we declare over our whole church that your protection, your safety, that grace of protection is upon Island Church. Thank you for that door of utterance. Let us always remember when we leave the doors of Island Church, we're called, Matthew 16, to lay hands, to heal, cast out, and bind up, to minister reconciliation, to minister encouragement, and to minister restoration in Jesus' name. Thank you, fathers, we leave tonight. Thank you for our church. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we walk in love one toward another. We thank you that we are the ambassadors of Christ. You've called us to be rejoicing in Jesus' name that here at Island Church we're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.